Hey folks, Andy Patton here to preview Gonzaga's Saturday night bout with the Broncos of Santa Clara, while also providing some updates on our Zags playing professional ball to close out the week, all right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Don't go away. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to take you through another season of Gonzaga Hoops. I want to thank all of you who make this podcast your first listen of the day. I sincerely appreciate being a part of your routine, whether it's a morning routine, afternoon routine, commute home routine, whatever it may be. I sincerely appreciate you taking the time to listen to Locked on Zags. I also appreciate all of you who have checked out the show on YouTube, a rapidly growing YouTube subscription channel for you all to check out. Just go to youtube.com, search Locked on Zags, hit that subscribe button. Sincerely appreciate all of you. All right, we are talking all things Santa Clara Broncos today. We're going to preview the game on Saturday night, one of the three final games for the Zags in the WCC play. It has gone so fast this season. The WCC slate seemed to just fly right on by, obviously. Having a couple games canceled early in the season definitely compacted the rest of the year, which is part of the reason it feels like it's insane that there's only a couple of games left. But obviously, a few games left in WCC means that Vegas is coming up and means that the NCAA tournament is coming up as well. Super, super exciting times to be a Gonzaga fans. Obviously, we're previewing Santa Clara, even though the Zags have already played Santa Clara, so we definitely have an idea of what this team is like, although I think Gonzaga's first matchup against them was perhaps a bit misleading because this team is actually pretty good. Gonzaga blew the doors off them last time these two teams played. They won 115-83. to It was Santa Clara's second WCC game of the season. They have gone 6-2 and two since then, as I am recording this on Thursday afternoon prior to their Thursday night game against LMU. My expectation is that they will have gone 7-2 and two before the next time they play Gonzaga, although I do not know the result of that game just yet. But Santa Clara Herb Sendex squad has been on a roll lately. The last time these two teams played, just to give a little refresher, because quite frankly, there have been multiple games where Gonzaga beat the other team by 35 or 40 points and scored well over 100 points. So it may not be everybody's memory exactly how this one went down. Drew Timmy had 32 the last time these two teams played on 14 of 18 shooting. It was that really, really remarkable, outstanding performance for him on the road against the Broncos. Chet had 11 points, 12 boards, and two blocks. So not quite the Chet Holmgren that we have seen from him lately where he's scoring a lot more points. But obviously, if Timmy's going to go out and drop 32, it's going to be a little bit harder for the other guys to score uh, up upwards of 15 or 20 like they have been doing lately. Uh, Nemhard did have 16 in that game here. Excuse me, had 19 in that game as long, along with six assists. He also had four turnovers. This was kind of before. Nembhard had had a bit of a stretch where he was not quite as, as bad as he was in, against Tarleton State and Merrimack and, and Alabama and that kind of really rough stretch that he had. But he still had a stretch where he was a little bit turnover prone early in conference play. Since then, he's been remarkable at keeping tr- keeping track of the basketball, not turning it over. This is one of those games where six assists, 19 points, fantastic. Four turnovers, definitely the kind of thing that you want to see him start to 
go away from. And that has definitely happened since then. Hopefully won't be an issue for him again in this game. Uh, Nolan Hickman had 14 off the bench the last time these two teams played. He hit four threes. It was a really, really nice shooting night. Not just from Hickman, but from the Zags in general. 12 for 26 from three. This was during that stretch when Gonzaga had not shot the ball well throughout the non-conference slate really at all. They had that great shooting night against Texas Tech. Then they went on a bit of a COVID pause. Then they came back and just shot the lights out of the basketball to open up conference play. This was one of those games. 12 threes, 26 attempts, a remarkable percentage for this team. Hickman hitting four off the bench, perhaps his best offensive performance, at least from from a scoring perspective. Again, Broncos 6-2 and two slash hopefully 7-2 and two since then, wins over BYU, win over St. Mary's. They're currently 75th in the Ken Palm rankings. This is a team that they're not an NCAA tournament cal- chasing team right now. They are not going to make the NCAA tournament. They Even if they beat Gonzaga, if they win out, they go to the WCC championship, maybe, there's, maybe they start to get kind of in that conversation a little bit. But really the unfortunate reality for the Santa Clara team is they had enough injuries early in the season, notably to Yusuf Vrankic and P.J. Pipes, who both missed time with injuries, and that killed them. That killed their hopes. We could be talking about a hashtag five bid WCC, at least having that conversation, had Santa Clara not lost a couple of ugly, ugly, ugly games early in the season, in part because they did not have a fully healthy roster. This is a good team. I will say confidently right now that there will be teams in the field of 68, not just automatic qualifiers from very small conferences, but there will be at-large teams that make the NCAA tournament that I am convinced Santa Clara is better than. Guaranteed. Absolutely certain of that. If anybody in the Pac-12 besides, of course, UCLA, Arizona, and USC, if anybody besides them makes the NCAA tournament, if Oregon makes it, if Washington State makes it, I would have rather had Santa Clara. I think they are a better basketball team. San Diego State, right on the border of being a tournament team. I think I might take Santa Clara. It's a close. That's a closer one. But I think I still might take Santa Clara. This is a really good team. They're rolling right now. They just had a rough, rough non-conference slate, in part because they weren't fully healthy, like I said. Jalen Williams is an incredible basketball player, one of the most talented non-Gonzaga players in the WCC. Top three I think Alex Barcelo, Jamari Bouye, Jalen Williams, that's kind of your conversation right there for the best non-Gonzaga players in the WCC. Jalen Williams is an absolute stud. 18 points, just under four rebounds, just under four assists per game. One and a half steals per game as well, shooting 52% from the field and just under 40% from three. Quite frankly, this is an NBA player. He is an NBA player. He should be in the NBA. I don't know if he will go after this year. I have seen him start to crop up on some draft boards, uh, usually kind of in the late 60s, 70s, kind of past the point where it's actually draftable. There are going to be 58 picks in the 2022 NBA draft because two teams lost their second round picks. So if you're not in the top 58, you're not necessarily being considered a draftable player. Jalen Williams is the kind of guy to me that will probably get overlooked because he plays in the WCC, because he doesn't play you know, at Gonzaga, because he you know, the, the level of competition he played against will be called into question, certainly. But Jalen Williams is an NBA player. He's really, really good. I'm excited to see how Gonzaga matches up against him. He had a good game against them last time. He doesn't have a lot of bad games, so that's not entirely surprising. Um, but he's a he's a really, really talented young man. 
Uh, Yusuf Frankich, I mentioned him already. He has played 18 games this season. He missed uh, eight or so with mono earlier in the season. Really curtailed Santa Clara's chances of, of, again, being an NCAA tournament caliber team. I do think they are a tournament caliber team, but they're not going to be in that conversation in part because of his absence early in the year. Averaging 15 points, five and a half boards, three assists per game. A really good passing big man. Something that can cause a lot of problems for opposing teams when, as we've seen in the past with Shemek Karnowski, Devonta Sabon, Drew Timmy, Anton Watson, etc. Gonzaga's had a plethora of very, very good passing big men, and it causes all sorts of problems for the opposing defense. Vrankic is very good about that. For the Broncos, Keyshawn Justice, their third piece or fourth piece in a way, he's a fantastic shooter. I think he is the second best shooter in the WCC. The only shooter who is conclusively better than him is Alex Barcelo. You could make an argument for Tommy Cousy. You could make an argument for Chet Holmgren. You can make an argument for Rasir Bolton. Keyshawn Justice is shooting 45% on five and a half attempts per game from three. The dude lights it up. Very, very good outside shooter. He's also averaging seven and a half rebounds per game, which is fantastic for a, a combo guard player like he is. And then, of course, you have P.J. Pipes, these four really talented players on the Santa Clara roster. Pipes is averaging 11 points and three assists per game. Really talented transfer point guard from Green Bay. Uh, just kind of rounds out this roster in a really significant way. I'm excited about the future of the Broncos. I think this is a good team. I, I Gonzaga obviously did not have any problems with them last time they played. Uh, I think that they're in line to get another victory here as well. But there's there's some, it's going to be a little bit tougher. If they play like they did against Pepperdine in the second half, they're, they're going to run into some problems. And that's kind of what I want to talk about a little bit more in the second segment with my five keys to this game. Before we get there, though, let's talk about Bet Online. There might be less football being played, but BetOnline.net has way more stuff to bet on this playoff season. From scores, totals, and player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline is the number one spot for all things NFL betting in 2022. And it's not just football. BetOnline.net's basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC odds coverage is the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline is your number one online wagering destination. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports and play your favorite games. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, segment two, still Andy Patton, still locked on Zags, still previewing Gonzaga's Saturday night matchup against the Broncos of Santa Clara. Here in the second segment, we're going to look at my five key things that I will be watching for in the games, things that I think is, could potentially have an impact on the final result. The first thing, I teased this a little bit in the first segment, how is Gonzaga going to defend Jalen Williams? More specifically, what I will be really watching for is when Hunter Salas is guarding Jalen Williams. Because I think that's a matchup that we're going to see. I think Hunter Salas is going to play a significant role. And I think when he is in the game, his primary task will be shutting down Jalen Williams. When Salas is in the game, he's almost always primarily tasked with playing defense. Not that he's not utilized on offense. He's been an extraordinary cutter. He's playing that Joel Iyayi role extremely well, cutting to the basket. He had a couple alley-oop dunks uh, in the last game Gonzaga played. He's obviously a very 
competitive, talented offensive player. But his biggest skill set right now, and probably going forward, is on the defensive end of the floor. He is a menace. He's so sticky. He's so long. He's got such a high basketball IQ and a tremendous motor. He's going to be a problem in the NBA defensively. And this is a great chance for him to prove that. A lot of the players that he guards in the WCC are not NBA players. Most teams in the WCC do not have NBA players. Jalen Williams is an NBA player. Jamari Bouye is an NBA player. Alex Barcelo is maybe an NBA player. There are a few opportunities for Salas to lock down legitimate league guys, and Jalen Williams is one of those opportunities. I'm super excited to see how he does. I'm going to be watching him very closely because I think this is going to be a really interesting dynamic in this game. Scouts are going to be watching this too. They're there for Chet Holmgren. They're there to a lesser extent for Jalen Williams. They're there, of course, for Drew Timmy, Andrew Nemphart, Hunter Salas, Nolan Hickman, Julian Strother. The Zags have a lot of guys who are probably going to be NBA players, if not this upcoming season, in the future as well. But Hunter Salas and how he defends Jalen Williams is something that those scouts, if if they're doing their jobs correctly, that's something they're going to be watching for significantly in this game. Next up, how does Santa Clara try to stop Drew Timmy? We've seen a lot of teams this year who get burned badly by Drew Timmy. And then the next time they play, they come out and they do everything in their power to stop Drew Timmy. What has happened when that goes down is that Chet Holmgren just goes to town because it's really hard for any team, not just WCC teams, any team, to guard both Chet Holmgren and Drew Timmy. I'm very curious. Herb Sendek, a long veteran, very experienced coach. I'm curious if he's going to fall into that trap of spending his whole week game planning to stop Drew Timmy only to watch Chet Holmgren score 25 points on 10 shots because I could see that happening. In fact, that's kind of my prediction. I think they're going to either very quickly double-team Drew Timmy, they're going to try to push him off of the block and not let him get comfortable down there at all. If he does get the ball, it's a quick double. I think they're going to try to, because they can't let him shoot 14 for 18 again. They just cannot let that happen. They cannot let him drop 32 again. So they're going to do everything they can to slow him down, stop him from being the offensive force that he's capable of being. What that means, Chet Holmgren might go off might have 25, might approach 30 for the first time in his collegiate career. Uh, Or or Anton Watson could have a fantastic game. We've seen him do that quite a bit. Uh, He just had 16 points in Gonzaga's most recent game as well. So obviously a player who's more than capable of getting up over 20 points in a game. So I'm curious how that's going to play out in this game. I'm curious if, if Sendek is going to really push all of his chips towards slowing down Drew Timmy at the expense of potentially letting somebody else go off on him, or if he's going to try something more balanced, which might lead to another really nice game from Drew Timmy. Next up, obviously a big part of the game against Pepperdine, Gonzaga needs to avoid a second half lull. The rest of their conference slate is not easy. They obviously, they they played Pepperdine. Now they got Santa Clara coming up on Saturday. They got St. Mary's. They got San Francisco. That's a tough end to the conference slate. Those are tough games. Arguably the toughest games Gonzaga is going to have to play. These three games right now, depending on how you feel about BYU right now, these are the three best non-Gonzaga teams in the WCC. And they get them back to back to back. If you have a lull like you did against Pepperdine, where you let the waves get in within eight, that's not going to fly against Santa Clara. I don't know that Gonzaga will necessarily lose, but I don't think you can get away with that against a team with players who can shoot it like Keyshawn Justice or shoot it like Jalen Williams or score the way Yusuf Rankic can. This could get ugly if they let that happen. I don't think that they will, but you can bet that I'm going to be bracing for it. We're going to be watching for it. Mark Few had an extra day 
between the games. Usually they only get one day. They got two full days. And you bet he used it to really let these guys know how he feels about how they played in the second half against Pepperdine. I have a feeling those guys are feeling it today because that is not acceptable. And Mark Few does not put up with teams getting sloppy and getting complacent and sleepwalking through large chunks of a basketball game. That's what happened against Pepperdine. And I, I know Mark Few. We've all, we all know him. We've seen him coach for 20 years. He's not going to let them do that again. Santa Clara is not the kind of team you can get away with doing that. So uh, they're at home. That's a big advantage for them. They're not having to do this on the road. But this is the kind of team that you need to prove that you can play a full 40 minutes of basketball against them. They did it last time. They beat them really handily. Would love to see them do that again. Next up, a Julian Strother rebound game. Julian Strother only had four points the last time these two teams played. Gonzaga dropped 115 points on the Broncos in the first matchup, and Strother only had four. That stood out to me when I was looking back on that box score. That is abnormal. Strother has obviously frequently been Gonzaga's leading scorer or second leading scorer in a huge chunk of their games this year. He's often the guy at the end of the game when you look at the box score and you're like, oh, Strother had 18. I didn't really realize that he he had that kind of game. Uh, This was the opposite reaction of like, oh, he he kind of struggled. He also didn't play all that well against Pepperdine. So he's kind of coming off a not very good game, coming into a game where he didn't play particularly well the last time these two teams played. This would be a great opportunity for him to go ham, to drop 20, something he's done a handful of times this year. Come out and just hit the first two shots of the game, get up 6-0 on two threes from Julian Stroth. That's the kind of thing I want to see him do. He's more than capable of doing that. You know that. I know that. We all know that from watching him play for this team. I would love to see Herb Sendek's reaction to a player who only scored four points against them last time going out and getting off to a super hot start like Strother's capable of doing. I think it creates another wrinkle for how to how to handle this team. Obviously, when Strother's playing well, not just as an outside shooter, he's great at that. But when he's getting to the rim, when he's hitting that floater, when he's grabbing offensive rebounds, he's really, really tough assignment for opposing defenses. And I'd want him to establish himself as an offensive threat early in this game. And finally, get to the bench. Pepperdine was a great opportunity for the Zags to play a significant part of their bench, to play Ben Gregg for a large chunk of the game, to play 20-plus minutes of Hunter Salas and Nolan Hickman. Unfortunately, because of that aforementioned lull that we saw in the second half, that did not happen. Hickman only played 14 minutes. Ben Gregg played three minutes. Gonzaga needs to have the opportunities to get these guys into the games because they may need them in March. Certainly Hunter Salas and Nolan Nolan Hickman are a part of the rotation. They're going to play regardless of whether this game is a 35-point blowout or a 5-point win. They're going to play. But I want to see them get more opportunity, play longer, play like a 10-minute stretch instead of just these shorter spurts because Gonzaga's going to need them. And so that's a big part of this game. Beyond that, just getting some more rest for some of the actual starters. They didn't get to rest against St. Mary's. They really didn't get to rest against Pepperdine. It'd be nice if Drew Timmy didn't have to play the last seven minutes of this game, if Andrew Nemhard didn't have to play after the under-eight media timeout, it'd be great to let Matthew Lang play seven minutes, to let Ben Gregg play 10 minutes, Martinez Orlowskis play three minutes, that, those kinds of things. Heck, if Caden Perry's healthy, maybe get him back into the game. I'm not holding my breath for him or Dominic Harris, but maybe there's an opportunity for those guys to get a little bit of action on Saturday night as well. I just, I don't want to see Gonzaga go through the last four games of their conference slate without getting 
without any of their starters getting any rest. I don't want them to be gassed going into the WCC tournament. I don't want them to be gassed going into March. We've seen what that can do, and it can be problematic for the Zags. So this is hopefully an opportunity where Gonzaga can get out to an early lead, sustain the early lead, and give some of their starters a break in the second half. All right, that is going to do it for these two segments talking about the Santa Clara game on Saturday. We're going to come back in the third segment. We're going to look at some pro Zags, what has been going on with them, and who we're probably going to see in the kennel on Saturday against them Santa Clara Broncos. Before we get there, though, let's talk about Built Bar. This is the time of year that I've pretty much given up on all of my New Year's resolutions, but not this year. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. Have you tried the Puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy, they're not just a protein bar, they're a treat. And they're covered in 100% real chocolate. In fact, all Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. They have mint brownie, coconut, and coconut almond, and new this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. They are all delicious and new flavors are coming out all of the time. Go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you will get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, segment three, still Andy Patton, still locked on Zags. Closing out the week, the middle of February is gone. We are moving on to the next week of the month. But before we do that, I want to talk about some pro Zags. We try to do this once a week where we just kind of give updates on how all of or as many of our pro Zags are doing as possible. I would have to do an entire episode every week to talk about all of them, which is a a tremendous thing that I'm not able to fit every single professional Gonzaga player into one segment of the podcast because there's so many. They're all doing so many good things. But I do want to highlight two players in particular because we're probably going to see them. On Saturday, the report that as of this conversation, which is happening at 5 o'clock on Thursday, it sounds like Jalen Suggs and Corey Kispert are going to be in the kennel on Saturday when the Zags take on the Broncos of Santa Clara. This was kind of hinted at when Suggs was in town against St. Mary's last week that potentially these guys would get a chance to be here for senior night. Obviously, Suggs never made it to his senior year. Kispert did have a senior year, he, but he didn't get uh, the crowd in the, in the kennel because of COVID-19, so it was very unfortunate that Kispert left Gonzaga without getting an official ceremony to celebrate him as a senior. And of course, Suggs did not get that as well. Uh, Suggs is playing in the Rising Stars game on Friday. They kind of changed the format of that event uh, in the NBA, but it's over All-Star weekend. So he will be participating in that on Friday, but he has the rest of the weekend off. Kispert obviously has the entire time off as well. They are expected to be in Spokane. I do not know, as of this conversation, if Joel Ayayi will join them. Joel, obviously, teammates with Corey Kispert on the Washington Wizards, has the same amount of time off as everybody in the NBA does because of the All-Star weekend. Uh, So it's possible Joel joins them as well, which would be extremely cool to get a chance to celebrate not just Jalen and Corey, but Joel as well. Uh, Kispert has been playing really good basketball lately. I wanted to highlight that as well. Uh, He stepped into a starting role with Bradley Beal out with an injury for Washington. Over his last seven games, he's averaging 11.5 points, 4.5 rebounds. He's had two 20-point games. Really nice performance from him. We can cheer, hopefully, very, very loudly for him on Saturday when he is in the kennel. 
A couple more updates before we close out the show this week. Uh, Courtney Vandersloot signed a one-year deal with the Chicago Sky. She is running it back with the defending WNBA champion. She's back with her wife, Allie Quigley, who also inked a one-year deal with Chicago. Uh, This is notable because there was some consternation about whether Courtney was going to return to the Sky. Uh, It came out that she was unhappy with the contract offer that they had given her initially and was threatening to stay overseas and play with a Russian team for the entire year as opposed to playing in the WNBA. Obviously, it spurned some conversation about how poorly women's athletes are paid in the United States of America and how sad it is that it's so much easier to make significantly more money overseas. Uh, That conversation can be put to rest for right now because Courtney is coming back. Uh, Hopefully, it means that she didn't cave to Chicago's bad offer and got herself a better offer. I do not know the details of that contract at this time, but I'm glad that Courtney is going to be back. I'm glad that she's going to be playing back with the sky. It's going to be a really, really fun season for her once again. Uh, David Stockton was named to the U.S. squad for the World Cup qualifiers. Second time in his career that this has happened. He was named to the team back in 2018 as well. Averaged 10 points and three assists for them back then. Uh, training camp begins on Friday in Washington, D.C. So he's he's there. He's in D.C. He's ready with this team. Their first game is against Puerto Rico on the 24th of this month, and then they play Mexico on the 27th, so they got games coming up real soon. Uh, his other teammates, it's a lot of guys who are not, obviously, currently in the NBA, uh, so it's a lot of G League guys, a lot of former NBA players, a couple names that stood out to me. Joe Johnson, <laughs> ISO Joe, one of the best isolation scorers in NBA history, is on the roster. Jordan Bell, former University of Oregon basketball player. Uh, Justin Wright Foreman, another name, that uh, a guy who's been in the NBA before. So cool to see David on this team. Uh, he's obviously having a great season with the G League Memphis Hustle right now. 14.5 points, 5.5 assists that he is putting up there. So another opportunity for him to represent our country uh, and play some, some fun basketball, hopefully, uh, later this month. And then the last two guys I want to highlight, uh, Zach Collins is back with the San Antonio Spurs. He has now played five games as a backup center for the Spurs. He's playing about 16 minutes per night. So he's still getting eased back into it a little bit, but 16 minutes per night is not nothing at all. That's a pretty significant chunk of the game that Zach Collins is being relied upon to to contribute. And he is doing a good job of contributing five and a half points, 5.2 rebounds, two and a half assists per game. He's shooting 44% from the field, which isn't great, but he is shooting 43% from three. So if he can continue to be a reliable outside shooter, he's going to have a very, very good NBA career. Uh, It's hard to, it feels like he was at Gonzaga so long ago. And he missed two full seasons, basically, of his professional career when he was with the Portland Trailblazers. So I think it's hard to remember how young he is. Zach Collins is 24. He turned 24 in November. Chris Duarte is a rookie combo guard for the Indiana Pacers out of the University of Oregon. Chris Duarte is the same age as Zach Collins. They're they're like almost exactly the same age. And Duarte is a rookie. Zach Collins is in his fifth NBA season. Like it's it's remarkable to remember <laughs> how young Zach Collins is, how much more of his career he still has in front of him, provided he remains healthy. And he's you know it's only five games with San Antonio, but clearly he has a role carved out for him. He's going to be a productive part of this team for the rest of the season. And the last guy that I want to talk about, Brandon Clark, having an incredible run of success with Memphis. The last ten games, he's averaging thirteen and a half points per game, six point six rebounds, one and a half assists, and one block per game. He is shooting sixty four percent from the field, which is just the most typical Brandon Clark esque performance. 
highly efficient, really, really good score. He's shooting 74% from the free throw line. He's not starting. He's still coming off the bench for Memphis, but he's playing 22 minutes per night. Pretty clearly a part of this team's core right now. There have been many games over the last few weeks where he has been their second or third leading scorer despite coming off the bench. He is filling his role excellent, and part of the reason is because Memphis figured out to give him a good role. One of the most notable stats of these last 10 games that I haven't mentioned yet. He's taken 1-3. One three-pointer in the last 10 games because somebody finally figured out, hey, that's not your strength. (laughs) You're not a good outside shooter. He wasn't a good outside shooter at Gonzaga. He was a great low post scorer, great rim protector, good rim runner. Those were his strengths, and he is being utilized that way in Memphis right now, and it is paying off significantly for the Grizzlies and for Clark himself, and I'm thrilled to see him finally having the kind of impact in the NBA that we all knew he was capable of doing. All right, that is going to do it for me today and for this week. Looking forward to a fun game on Saturday. We'll check in next week for Mailbag Monday. Also got another exciting guest lined up for next week as well. All right here on the Locked on Zags podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts. And check it out on YouTube if you have not already. Just go to YouTube.com, search Locked on Zags, and hit that subscribe button. Finally, thank you again to those of you who have made this podcast your first listen of the day. Now is a great time to make your second listen of the day, the Locked On Bets podcast. Locked On Bets is your daily one-stop shop for all of your sports gambling needs. Locked On Bets is hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. All right, thank you all for listening, and go Zags!